Good evening. Welcome to tonight's shir. Shmot Shabbos Parshas Vayechi. Now, start off with a question, which will take a little bit of discussion, and that is, a elderly uh, gentleman, quite a Talmud Chacham, somewhere in in the states. And he's davening in a small Chabad shul. And the younger element there are quite lively. And comes to L'Chodoidi, there's a lot of, of Lebedic uh, dancing and banging on the table and banging on the bimmer. And he's tried to persuade them that it's uh, not really appropriate. He asked me to weigh in on this. So actually, it's a fascinating um, study here. And we're going to look at the Rambam, Shekhanoruch, and various sources. Very, very interesting how this develops. So first, we take a look at the Rambam. So you have on the, on the right of the screen, this is Perich of Gimel. The Rambam writes, therefore, you're not allowed to produce sound of music on Shabbos, with a musical instrument, like a harp, lyre, whatever it is. So you're not allowed to produce music, because of, you might come to fix, to, to, to repair the, the uh, instrument, that we know. Then the Rambam says, not only are you not allowed to play music with an instrument, but also a filo, even to beat with, on the, on the, with your finger on the ground, or on a, on a board, or achas kneged achas, which the achas kneged achas can mean finger to finger, or does it mean to stick to stick? The Mishnah Burris discusses this. Meanwhile, not only mustn't you use musical instruments, but you mustn't also strike your finger on the ground. So banging on the table, for example. Yeah. And then he goes further, kader hamashoyrim, as in for a beat, to shake a nut, to entertain a child, to use a bell to entertain a child, to, to, to the child should calm down. So let's go through this carefully again. Musical instruments, obviously, also, afilu, not musical instruments, beating on the ta on the ta table with a with an instrument, uh, with sorry, with your hands. You say make boy. to use your fingers to knock on, uh, and using a bell, using a a nut. All of these, the Rambam says, is also. We understand that that is a little bit more remote from making an instrument than when using an instrument mamish. Third thing the Rambam says, now in the following halacha, which is also a Mishnah, no clapping of hands, no beating with your hands on your thighs, and not dancing. Again, you might come to fix an instrument, but clapping back in the yard is okay. So now let's analyze. We've got here three forms. We have here musical instruments in one extreme. 
The other extreme is you have clapping hands, dancing, and then we have in between using crude non-instruments, banging on the ground, banging a nut, and all right, so the album has put the, the, this as a middle category, yeah? Not only you mustn't use instruments, but you also mustn't beat on the ground with, a, with your finger. Then he has as a separate entry, no clapping. Very, very strange. Now let's go now to the Shukhanag. Shukhanag brings that in, this is in Simin Shin Lamed Test. Now, just to fill you in, I didn't put everything on the screen. In Shin Lamed Ches is written the whole din of Mashmiya Koil that you mustn't produce music on Shabbos. That's in the previous Simin. Comes along in Simin Shin Lamed Ches, and there is Shukhan Oroch, and the Alter Rebbe says the same thing. It says you mustn't clap hands on Shabbos or on your thigh in case you, you produce a musical instrument. You mustn't beat on the ground or on the board or to rattle with the nut or to play with the bell for the, to entertain the child. All of this is us. You see what's happened over here. Whereas in the Rambam, the Afilu, to say you mustn't use a rattle or you mustn't bang on the table, that's come as an Afilu after... A musical instrument, not only a, a real musical instrument, you mustn't even use a banging on, a, on, on the ground, bang on a board. Here, the, the way the Shekhanorah said, you mustn't clap hands, and not only you mustn't clap, but even you mustn't bang on the table. So it should be the way around. It should be, you mustn't, mustn't bang on the table, but you mustn't clap hands, because you can how much more so you mustn't bang on, 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 a, on a table. That's how it should have, that, that doesn't make sense. And so, and and this lotion of a filu lahakis ala karka, it's taken from the Rambam. It's not taken from anywhere else. In other words, it's a lotion Rambam. There's no source as far as, far as I know. Yeah. Um, just to explain a little bit more about that, there is a source for the middle section in the Rambam, and that is in the Tosefta. And the Tosefta you have at the bottom of the page here. Talks there about using a shofar to give a child as a, as a uh, to feed a child. You're allowed to metaltinus a carcass with a pinkus. You're allowed to move a some kind of rattle or a ledger for a child. The ledger means that perhaps they would enjoy banging it open and closed. But you mustn't rattle a bell or a rattle. For a child, so the the category which the Rambam says ergos, to, to rattle in a nut, that, that he has the tesaft. But when he says to beat your finger on the ground or on a board, which is in our case banging on the table to a beat, that is pure Rambam. It's not from anywhere before, <clears throat> as far as I as far as I know. So that's why I'm so um, the word frustrated is not the right word, but intrigued. How did the Rukhshukhanoruch put this Lahakis Ezbalakarka as a derivative from Kaf al Ka, from for clapping hands? Number one. Number two, 
generally we have a, a rule in Rambam that he's not machadash halachas. He doesn't. He, in other words, it's easy to do. I mean, it's normal to develop. Oh, since this is so, therefore this is so. The Rambam did not see his role as developing new situations and ruling upon them. He saw himself as a collator of information. So he collates the information which is in Shas, Tosefta, in Geoinim, but he would not normally develop his own his own uh, rulings. Therefore, these words, as I'm saying, I can't find it in the, the and in this you know Meforshir Rambam. They don't trace this to an earlier source. So this is the, the Rambam Kielu invented this. It's, it's no question of its legitimacy, but I'm just seeing the process of where it came from. And so then it seems to be the Rambam's own development. And it's so strange how it's in the Shikhnoruch, it's been kind of its line of development has been changed, which is very, very strange. Okay. And this is all crucial to our discussion. Okay. So now in the Shikhnoruch, he says, the Ramos says, Although it says in the Mishnah that you're not meant to clap your hands on Shabbos, you're not meant to dance. Nowadays, we see that people do clap their hands and they do dance on Shabbos and Yom Tov and B'tchachomim, the Rabbonim, don't protest against it. So the first reason is, pick your fights. Let people, they're not going to listen anyways. So let them live in blissful ignorance rather than drumming into them. They're not going to listen. So that's hardly a uh, hardly an adequate explanation for Eilach Eden, yeah. The, the second thing he says, "Yesh Oimrim b'zman azehakol shavi." Nowadays it's all okay because ain't on the bikin. We don't know how to fix musical instruments, and therefore the whole anxiety. You might come to fix it. Most people don't know how to do it, and therefore it's an unusual thing. And therefore, on that basis, it's, it's become accepted. So we're going to come to this soon about they said you mustn't you mustn't uh, clap your hands. And now you say, oh, because lifestyle has changed, therefore the halacha has changed. We'll deal with that. But meanwhile, what has Ramos said? Shechonorah said, don't clap your hands and don't bang on the ground with your hands. In our case, don't bang on the table to a beat. Don't use a rattle. Then he says that nowadays people do jump, d d dance and clap on Shabbos. And he says, Hakol Shari. Yeah? No gulahokil bechol. His mouth says, I said, No gulahokil bechol. Does that bechol, does that bechol in everything? Does that include the whole lot? Never to say, well, just like it's okay to clap on Shabbos for whatever justification, it's okay to also bang on the table on Shabbos to a beat. So Mr. Brewer says no. And he, Mr. Brewer picks up on those words, and you have on the margin, on the bottom right, Mr. Brewer, this that you have permission, that, that nowadays it's customary to allow, that's only about clapping. And dancing, but not on the other things which are mentioned in the sip. So the Mr. Burra said that the head to which the Ramos says that nowadays clapping is okay does not allow you to 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 use it to, to bang to on the table with a beat. 
Mr. Brewer was not the first one who invented this. Uh, he actually, in the Sharatzi, and he gives a reference to Eliarabo and earlier to Sefer called Toysmus Shabbos, which I've quoted over here on the screen. Toysmus Shabbos is a Sefer which was a couple of generations before the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe mentions him occasionally. We give Mognavro mentions him. So it's, uh, I don't know, I, I haven't checked his exact, uh, but uh, it's a while before the Alter Rebbe. That the, the permission which we said here that that's only as far as clapping and dancing, but not as far as using a rattle, a, a bell, etc. Let's go on to the next um, screen. So now we look at Sefer Aminogim. Sefer Aminogim. So this you have the Mishnah of not clapping. Not dancing. Then it says in Hesevan Hogim, Noyagin Shoirir Lispekularake Gamba Yogna Vila Gan Khabashabas. It is customary to sing and to clap and to dance on Yom Tiv, even if it coincides with Shabbos. And he refers us to the Shikhanaruch Erechaim, which we just saw at the beginning, Shin Lamates, and to the commentaries there. He refers us then to the Aishal of Rome, the Bachocharov, which uh, I don't know how often the Rebbe refers to someone had a Havat Sadik. But here he refers to the Bachocharov. I mentioned him a number of times in the past. He was a he he was a young person in the times of the Alter Rebbe. He was a Makurov of the Baditcherovarov. Um brilliant person. Koponim, he's got a, he's got writings all over Shikhanaruch. Very interesting personality. At any rate, we'll come back to that in a moment. And then the Munkacha. The Munkacha Rov, the Michasalazar. Now the Rebbe once said, "Ich in the Munkatcha. I am very into Munka, the Munkatcha. And the Munkatcha, if I may say, is stands out in a halochadika approach to Minhagi Chsidim. Sometimes Chsidim seem to say, Oh, it's okay, you know, there's halocha, but you know, we don't have to be so fussy about the halocha. And Michasalozo is not that way. He will take every, if there's a what an apparent discrepancy between Minigsidim and Halocha, he make he, he 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 struggles and finds a way to justify it. Um it should be Ozgahalton La Halocha. And here particularly he deals with this whole business about dancing and clapping on Shabbos. And he comes to uh, explains that um that sometimes you have even though it was Nigzabaminya. Uh, but it was it, it was it's clearly that it is subject to a circumstance where people would be uh, more prone to be fixing instruments. So anyway, that's how he discusses there in three places: in Mincha Salozo, in Shire Mincha, which is the back of Volume Two of Mincha Salozo, and then in his volume of commentaries on the Shekhanorah called Nimukayrechai. Okay, on the right margin, I've copied over from the Nimukayrechai. <coughs> So now he, he he quotes from the Bachacharov, who says about the Minig now, it's common that people do clap on Shabbos during davening. And even people are eminent and great people in Torah and in holiness and, 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 and good deeds. Neither because it's now everyone knows that you're allowed to clap and dance on the Simchas Nisuin, which by the way, the Alter Rebbe says no. Um, and he says, if you're allowed to clap and dance for a simcha of a chasana, in other words, sheva brachas, whatever it may be, 
So it doesn't make sense. To say that the table, a mundane table, is going to be nicely decorated. And Hashem's table is going to be empty. In other words, if, if a social simcha, you're allowed to celebrate with dancing and clapping, so for davening should be worse than, than, than a Sheva Baruchas. That's, that's his argument. Therefore, he sees it as Avedis Hashem. And the Munkacher is you know, happy to take this on. All right, so this is all going explaining the that that which in the Ramor seems to be allowed only reluctantly became that by Chesidim, the clapping and dancing on Shabbos and Yom Tov has been done without any hesitation. Before going to the other two quotes, well, let's take a look at the Aroch HaShulchan, who was a contemporary of the Semach Tzedek, a little later, he visited the Semach Tzedek. So he writes, I've got another reason why clapping and dancing is allowed nowadays. Because it's very different to what was in the times of the Chazal. Because then you'd have musical entertainment and the clapping and dancing was done along with the musical entertainment. That's the impression for the Yushalmi. So therefore the clapping was seen as part of, uh, I don't know, orchestra, ensemble, whatever it's called. But nowadays that's not the case. Nowadays... If it's music, there's music. But it's not that people clap together with the music. Never, he doesn't see them as one bringing to the other. That's that's the Aroch HaShuch. Coming back to our question about banging on the table. So you, you see very clearly that the, the logic here, um, that we've seen that they, although there is a hetero of clapping and dancing, we don't see a hetero of banging on the table. It's not clear. It's clearly unclear. <laughs> That's proper English. Um, so now we have two quotes which I have over here. One is from the Sefer Oz Nidbaru from Rabbinyomin Zilber, otherwise known as Rabbinyomin Atzadik, where he says about using banging on the table with your hands or with instruments is not allowed on Shabbos. To clap hands is okay. But he says kelachayad, okay. Um, then he says, clapping hands in applause is okay, because clapping in applause is not with the intent of music. It's interesting because I know the, there's a general view that Amcha, that clapping in Lachadoid is okay, but clapping in applause, no, 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 it's not in the Shabbos, yeah? And um, because it's not Tzorich Mitzvah or something, but he he says it's, it's it's okay because clapping in in the etc. That's clapping as in a, with a beat. That's more of an issue, and that has also been allowed. But clapping applause is never a problem because it was not it's not lashir. Okay. So those who are looking for kulas besides chumras, so you got a kula here today. Um, meanwhile, this we have on the piskitchev. So he writes also not to beat with two hands on the table. With a, you know, as in as in drumming, he says one with one hand, just with the the enthusiasm of the song, that's okay. I've got one more thing to share with you on this, for the moment. Um, <clears throat> a sefer called Salmas Chai, very interesting. Um, it's it, there's a fellow called Reb Shleimer Zobin. He lived in Shalim about hundred years ago. He davened in the Shem Shul as Beis of Chaim Zonnefeld. He would very often ask him stuff after davening. And then he wrote them down. 
I asked this, and then he answered that. He seems to be in quite a lambda in the subclaimers of him. And he goes through a whole pill about this beating and he, um, you know, banging on the table, etc. And he says, since the usage of afilu implies that that this is that banging on the table is less than clapping your hands. And therefore, if you're allowed to clap hands, how much more so it should be allowed to bang on the table to bang on the table. But then he says, perhaps the other way around, that banging, clapping with the hands, that most of us are not meant to be making new musical instruments. That's what, therefore it's okay. But banging on the uh, with a beat, that's more similar to making instrument with playing with an instrument. And therefore, that's more of an a concern. See, he actually does not go into this whole pilpul which I had about the Rambam and you know the positioning of this vaafilo in the Rambam and the Shachnoch being so different. And as, as I said, no one I, I could see no one who comments on that. But meanwhile, he he puts the question to Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonnefeld, and Rabbi Yosef Chaim answers, "Haklal hakoil bichlal hanachlohem," that the heter which it says. If they don't know, let them live in in blissful ignorance. Let them let, let them let them be, let them be. But then he says, If someone consciously does not bang with a beat, it's not it's not you are it's not a, a, inappropriate. So he's kind of uh, not he's kind of diplomatically not given a clear answer here. Um, what seems to be bottom line is that there. That the there is a problem with banging to a beat. Um, you can rely on You can rely on that. Um, if people are, if you feel that it's not worth making a fuss about it, you're allowed to ignore it. That's why my my impression. But um, should it be really okay? No, it's not really okay. That's that's my impression. Now. But coming back to this um, sh little shul somewhere in the United States, yeah, one of hundreds and thousands probably, but never mind. So, I, I my first of all, my response was, you know, in some shuls it's become standard that by the chadoidi or by moiva sholem going uh, becomes a rakid, it becomes hakafas, and. My late father-in-law, Oliver Sholem, Rabbi Sudak, even when it was Lebedic, but he he wouldn't he didn't go for this dancing around in the middle of davening. There is a very strong emphasis in Chabad uh, that you don't move around during davening. And on the screen we have here two quotes from the Alter Rebbe, the printed in Igris of the Alter Rebbe, talking about not walking around during davening. And as whereas other chassidim, by them it's acceptable, perhaps seen as a mile, you're 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 going around, you're you're, you're with your ecstasy, you're walking around. In chassid, in, in Chabada, that's not acceptable. It's that each one should stand from Bahaidu till after Shman Asra, I mean stand stay in their place. And Shaloilavalbil, not walk around during davening, not to disturb. Other people can So walking around in the middle of davening, not talking about Shmona Esra, walking in the middle of davening, can nizker At some stage, the Alter Rebbe made what's called takonas liosna. 
that there were rules who could come to Lyosne with the Alter Rebbe's, you know, his Nesias uh, there. And there were rules who would be eligible or wouldn't be eligible. And one of the things he was, he's saying that, I'm going to get these taconas, from when the Chazan starts Hoidu, no one should be walking around the base Haminyan, what we call the Shul or a Shtibul. No one should be walking around in the Shtibul, especially not to walk in front of other people. This is, I find this absolutely fascinating that generally we know there's an Isu walking in front of someone Davni Trunesra. The only heter is if their eyes are closed. Um, but the Altarebbe is extending this. From Hoidu. Very, very interesting. All right. So this is this is this is the one side. <clears throat> the other side of it is the whole union of Dan of, of singing during Davni was not was not popular in Chabad. Um, when I was a Bocher, Chodoidi wasn't sung. It was it was it was just a chant. It wasn't a, a, a song. There was no singing. Um, occasionally, and the Rebbe encouraged it. Sebisalach and it came more. Okay, Lord, etc. It evolved more and more. And possibly, possibly our generation, it's necessary to get people involved and the singing is getting them involved. And um, sometimes you look around the beginning of Davening, it's a little bit not necessarily everyone's, not necessarily everyone's involved. And then perhaps the the, the singing gets everyone involved or almost everyone involved, yeah? So there's I can see a Lashem Shemaim aspect also. So <laughs> bottom line, is it a good? Is it recommended? Perhaps this is not so. The banging on the table is not really recommended. If it's needed, if you feel it's needed, shame to to galvanize and to involve the people, so then you have a basis on what to rely upon. Okay, I, I think enough said for the moment. We've spent a long time on that. Let's move on. So now someone asked me about the Saint Talmud to live Rachel. Now there's a general view that um, which you mentioned the Gemara. That if you uh, that that Jew is never withheld, so why are we saying the same Talmud to So the answer is simple: that although Tal is never withheld, it's not always Livrocha. And so you have the lotion of the Mishnah in Soita v'lo Yorad Hatal Livrocha. You should make in Becharavesamidosh. So there can be Tal and Lavdav Kis Livrocha. So we ask it, it should be that it should be Livrocha. Um, interesting that we in Nusach Ashkenaz, well, yeah, kind of. So we say in the in the summer we just say the same bracha, but look in Sfardish Sidurim, you, know, you can see the Talalayrots, and they talk about in in summer also they mention about about um, dew. Okay, one more thing about this is this is from the sefer called Slosedavram, a, com a commentary on the Siddur. And he's he's addressing, and I perhaps I once spoke about it on this Shia. Why is it Moirid Hageshem and Moirid Hatol? Why is it not consistent? If it's Moirid Hatol as in a pause, so then it should be Moirid Hagoshem, a pause. 
If it's married hagesham, then it should be married hatal. If that if that point is a pause, then it should be in both of them. If it's not a pause, then that should be both of them. This 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 is what he's addressing, and he says the following. Really, looking you know comparing to Nusach Ashkenaz, which don't say married hatal. Now in the Gemara in Sha'in Tainis, it's Rabbi Hanino says in summer. If you said Mashiv Haruvach, you don't have to repeat. So Bidiyavit. Tal also. If you said Mayrid Hatol, in Samba, you don't have to repeat. But the impression is that you don't you shouldn't be saying it. And that's why the Ashkenazim don't say it. They don't say Mayrid Hatol. If it's something which is never withheld. So why are you praising Hashem with something which is never withheld? That's why Ashkenaz don't say married at all. And even as he says, even Sfardim, we don't in the summer we don't say Yamashivaruach. So he says, therefore the Alter Rebbe was sensitive to this. And he put in the Maid Hatol with a with a pause to say like this. You start this brocha, think carefully. The first part of the brocha is about Tchias HaMesim. The second part of the brocha is about rain. So the second part is about the rain. So he says like this. All right, I want to mention Tal. But then you might say it's inappropriate to talk to talk about Tal as in, in irrigation, because it seems to be that you shouldn't be mentioning Tal. So you know what? I'm going to put a pause there. I'm going to say Merit Hatol. And therefore, the mention of Tal, of dew, is only in relation to the first part of the bracha, about Tchias HaMesim, the Tal of Tchias HaMesim. I'm not talking about Tal in relation to irrigation. That's the next topic. That's why you put a pause there. Whereas the Geshem... Of, is is connected to Machalka Chaim Bechesed, and Hashem gives Parnosa and through the provision of rain. Let's move on. Um, about it was relevant this this month. Several places asked, what about saying Kiddush Levona when there's a rather um, clouded over uh, moon? So there's something which I've seen years ago. I'm sure I didn't invent it myself. That that the beginning of the month. You can make Kiddush Levona on a thin strip of, of light. If the clouded over moon produces the same amount of light as a thin sliver of moon at the beginning of the month, when it's a, like a clear light, so then that's called Nehen Eloyore. That is called you have benefit from the light and you can make a bracha. I, I looked for that explanation now, this past week. I couldn't find it. What I do have on the screen here is from the Mogan Avrom and Simitov Chovov, quoting from the Radvaz, to say that a thin cloud does not prevent saying Kiddush Levana. You can still say it. <clears throat> what is interesting is, as I was doing more research, is the bracha on seeing the moon or on in benefiting from the light of the moon, which is crucial in our discussion. If it is for seeing the moon, it's clouded over, you're not seeing the moon. 
if it is for benefiting from the light, then the argument which I said would be a valid argument. You're benefiting from the light, or you at least, of course, where we live, it, it means it means very little because of the uh, artificial light. But if it were in a situation where you could benefit from the light, so yeah, so that's um, but, uh, having said that, um, it becomes a bit of a schwach argument in because of the artificial light which is available to say, oh, I'm I'm nana liyoyroi. Because uh, we don't, it's more, we, we make a bracha only on seeing the moon, because we're not having much Hanoah from it in any case. Let's move on. But we do have here a psak that if it's a thin cloud and you can see a silhouette of the, uh, of the moon through the cloud, then you can make a brach. Okay, earlier this past week, some bacharim, I got a, a, a French bacha, he writes to me that he is in Tromso for a few days. Now, Tromsø is north of Norway. It's above the Arctic Circle. And he's asking, what do we do about Shabbos? And what do we do about, or first about Tefillin, about, about Shabbos? So, so the, the uh, facts, at the, um, he sent me a little video. The facts are that it, it does, you never see the sun at this time of the year. But you do have daylight. It, it looked fairly daylighty if that's a word in english um for two hours from 11 to 1 you have daylight so i said well as far as tefillin is concerned once it's daylight there's no problem to put on tefillin you'll have to put on tefillin before sunrise that's no problem question is about shabbos when now this is this is twilight so you've got two hours of twilight now you have twilight in the morning before sunrise and you have twilight in the evening before, after sunset, before it gets fully dark. Question is, with these two hours from 11 to 1, which part is when you say it's the morning twilight and you're allowed to do malacha, and which part is the, the evening twilight, you're not allowed to do malacha. And the, the simple answer is from chatzois, from midday. And that is going to be the, the, the division between the twilight of the morning, which is Mutabimloch, and the twilight after, which is after Shkia, which is not. How are you going to work out midday in a place where there's no sunlight? There's no sun? The side told them, very simple. You go along, you look on the, uh, what's called the concert, the, um, what are they called? Um, coordinates. You look at the coordinates. And so I looked at the coordinates for Tromso and I looked at the coordinates for uh, Stockholm. So it's almost the same coordinate, as in, as in, uh, how do you say, in longitude. The latitude is very different. I mean, longitude is the same. And all the places on the same longitude are going to have the chatzos is going to be at the same time. That's the, uh, the sun is moving from east to west. So whether you're north or uh, higher, low, closer to the equator, midday on that same um, longitude is going to be the same. Therefore, I looked up the uh, in Stockholm this past Friday. So Chatzois was quarter to twelve. So I said to them, "Okay, a quarter to twelve is Chatzois." So then, Lichtsinden is about twenty minutes before. Also, just in case of a bit of margin of error, it wasn't Mamish the same coordinate. I said twenty minutes before, so about twenty past twenty past eleven a.m. They should be Makabal Shabbos. Um, by the way, they have a long Matzah Shabbos. 
because from probably from two o'clock they can already see stars and so they've got long lots of shabbos now this <clears throat> this explanation there is a letter of the rebbe which is published in shulchan menachem um i was part of the editorial board for this shulchan menachem and the note which interpreted the way which i've just explained i probably is from my work i'm not sure but that's actually the shot of the Rebbe's thing, but that's that's the logic which I could use. Um, here the Rebbe does say that the beginning of Shabbos would be in all places which have got the same longitude. If they're on the, yeah, I think that's what he's saying. Of course, it's not the same Mamish, because, um, you know, further north, Shabbos is going to start earlier in winter, etc., but it mean, possibly he means that Chatzos is, is the same, and then you can work it out from there. Okay, um, if someone has a different shot in that letter, I'm happy to hear. Let's move on. So a very frequent question in their variations that someone, a man is home and his wife is out of town. For good reasons, wonderful reasons. Meanwhile, he's alone, at, well, he's at home and he has a daughter with him. Married daughter, unmarried daughter. Who should be benching lift? So, what, what are the arguments for both ways? So, what you have on the screen is the, the top right is from Seferhut Shoni from Rabnissen Karelitz. And he says, I've got an interesting question. Because the reason why a man is meant to give his wife the mitzvah of lighting candles for Shabbos, although it's his own mitzvah, is because she is the one who looks after the home. Well, when mummy, let's see, is in hospital to get, give birth, so the, he has an older daughter who's at home, so she will be uh, the, more, the more likely candidate to do, be doing looking after the home. And then that, if that's the case, then this, she should be do the one who should, should be lighting the candles. Or do you say, well, no, there's only for his wife. It's, uh, there's a takona to, to give it to his wife to, to, to light the candles, but not for his daughter. And mitzvah ber yosli be So he's, he's mesupak, he's not sure. Rabbi Yashiv is quoted here that when his when the woman is not able to light at home, if there's an, a, a bas gdola, under bas mitzvah, there's no question, you can't be yotzer from her. But with an adult daughter who's over bas mitzvah, so the daughter should light. Then he says if the daughter is married and, and, and is staying with him, then both of them should light. Personally, I'm not so um, excited about it. Um, I'll tell you where, 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 I'm, where I'm coming from. The Alter Rebbe has this Chiddush that if you light candles, even a man who doesn't makabal Shabbos by lighting candles, but he has to be makabal Shabbos within a short time span. You can't um, light the candles and then go back to doing your regular work because then the candles are not evidently lit for covered Shabbos. A man typically is used to regular circumstances. He'll be used to uh, just before Shabbos, he may get to the car to go to shul, he may carry stuff to shul. He, he's not used to this idea that he's lighting candles and he's done a Kabbal Shabbos. So I see that as a bit of a difficulty and therefore it's easier, it's more comfortable. Let the girl light. Then Now, then I saw in another sefer, in the Be'er Moshe, so the Debrit Sinarov, so he's saying that the, the case of the mother and the daughter in the same house, or the, the similar situation, 
let one light in the kitchen and one light in the dining room. I'm really uncomfortable with that because we, Baruch Hashem, we all have electric lights. What's the justification for making another bracha? Bracha on lighting, where you got light? Oh, at the table, it enhances. The candles enhance the atmosphere of the table. Who needs to enhance the atmosphere of the kitchen? Why do you have candles in the kitchen? There's electric lights. I don't see why you can make a bracha on lighting in the kitchen. And so, now, so the, the, the idea of having several women making a bracha at the same, at lighting at the same table, the Altarebbe brings two svaras. It's not so hot on that. Here, your daughter is lighting in any case. So why do you dafka have to light separately when you could simply be yoitzah with her, her lighting? As long as she's using your candles. It should be your candles. And uh, then with this, you've, you've, you've um, avoided any sophic bracha levatola, etc. I see it much smoother this way, even though there is a svara of mitzvah v'yosimibishlocha. But I see the other svaras also as valid, uh, you know, arguments to the contrary. Um, here on the top we have from Shemil Shabbos Kilchoso, when a woman is not home, um, he also probes this question. Uh, if the daughters who aren't married are lighting, or the husband should light, he's suggesting the husband should light because it's his chiyo, mitzvah b'yosim b'shluchay. Okay, we've already discussed. And this on the other side is, we've got the Debretzinas um, uh, writing about this. We've discussed already. Let's move on. Uh, what's the next question? About switching tefillin during Chazar uh, Sashatz. <clears throat> So here's a uh, one of our in Galite is a rov in a, in, a, in a United synagogue, and they don't have most of the people there don't put on rain times, and possibly he has to deal with people that write after davening. So he's been switching his tefillin during during Chazar Sashat. and so we have the Kitzur Shikonaruch, who's got strong words about this. He's and he's quoting from the Premier God. There are those who are accustomed that after Kedusha they take up Rabbein, the Rashis and they put on Rabbeinu Tams. And it's Shuri Kadin. It's, it's contrary to that. Okay. So the Premier Godim, the Kitzvah Shekhanoruch, are dead opposed to um, taking off your tefillin and putting on the other tefillin in, 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 in Chazor Sashatz. But there is an undeniably a massive Kedusha following who are doing this. So there's a Sefer, a Kedusha Sefer called Likutei Mariach um, published uh, published about 100 years ago. A very popular sefer, it's for three volumes. And he talks about those who are putting tefillin Chazar Sashats. He brings a Prima Godim who's against this. And he says, I've seen eminent people who are doing this. And he says, oh, you know what you're achieving with this? That you have like a whole davening in Rabbeinu Tams because you've got Chazar Sashats as a Shrin Estra and you've got an Ashrei and then you've got the Eulam Yitzira, which is, you know, Ktairis, etc. Whenever he, he has... I'm sorry, Shusha Yomiz, Yaylamayatsira. He says that you've got the whole spectrum of the four elements in Rabbeinu Tams also. So that's an interesting explanation. Um, actually, then he quotes to the Mati Moshe, who says that his Rebbe would, would take off his tefillin after Kedusha. And you know what? Dalta Rebbe actually in Simon Chafei also talks about taking a tefillin after Kedusha. He talks about on, on um, I think, on Chalamoid Sukkis. People wearing tefillin in the Minigashkanas and taking off the tefillin during the But there seems to be a difference between taking tefillin off and putting putting tefillin on. Taking tefillin off seems to be less of an issue. You don't, you know, but to put it on tefillin, meanwhile, you put it on tefillin, you can't answer amen, etc. 
So that seems to be more of an issue. Uh, certainly it's not Chabad Minig. Chabad Minig is to switch, um, to take off, to wear rashes until the end of Arleinu, unless, you know, that's the Minig, yeah, the way it's written in Hagem Yom, etc. Um, right. So it's, it's not something which we wouldn't recommend um, unless, you know, Mamish stuck, then you... Now, one, one more point about this, which we've discussed once before, which I wrote, to, I answered to this in Geman, that it depends how you look at Khazar Sashat. Is it just to be see those ignorant people who didn't know how to daven? So that's really just an archaic um, institution, because with the people in our shul all know how to daven, and those who don't know how to daven can't follow Khazar Sashat either, because they don't understand Hebrew. So the whole thing is, is, is well, we're just doing it at Kabbalah soil, but that's, that may be the justification people think, oh, joy for shots, it's spare time, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Um, if you see, however, Shatz is a communal expression, it's we're all together being. Um, I mentioned the other day with this idea by the Kinder Sashluchim, we have a what's called a Pidyon Kloli, where, where, um, there's a Pidyon written on behalf of all the Shluchim. And this is read on Friday morning. There's thousands of shluchim they count the oil in the tents, etc. And one of the elder shluchim stands by the oil and reads over. And we all stand to attention. They are speaking. This opinion is being read on our behalf. So if Yuchasos Hashat is speaking on our behalf, so then you know, doing everything else and sorting out the sforim or dusting the shelves, it's you know you're davening. This is this person is davening on your behalf. So. From that perspective, it seems to be, uh, you know, in, in, inappropriate to be doing all other stuff. Um, can one not answer Omen doing pretty Ravina Tams? Um, I possibly Omen you can, Baruch Hashem, for sure not. That's uh, the, in, in the Alter Rebbe's Siddur in the in the, uh, in the Dinam of Tefillin, he he does address this. It's it's less Homer than during Rashi's, but it's, it's also restricted. Okay, um, back to this uh, shtibel in some in the United States with a banging on the table. One of the other peeves was about, is it appropriate to bang on the table of, of the, of the, on, to bang on the bimmer? Now, the bimmer is part of the shul, and I, 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 so you, have, you have here on the screen from Hilchus Beis that banging on the bimmer just to get silence in the shul is also, is, you know, it's Isser Gomer, it's kind of is is disgraceful use for with the, with the equipment of the bimmer, which is made for kriya satayra. He suggests here actually that the gabba, who's conscientious about this, should remove the mantle, the, the cloth drape over the bimmer, and bang just on the table rather than bang on the cloth. Which is interesting. I haven't seen anyone do that. Um, but it is it is. Uh, I mean, there is this concern about. The bima should be treated with with uh, proper respect. Things which are normally done, so you could uh, with bimas, then you could say that as, you know when it was written, when it was bought, it was with this intention that it would be used for this. So having a pushka on the bima, that's normal, you know, practice. And therefore, that when it was the built bima was built, and etc. Was that that was in mind? Have sforim on the bima is also acceptable. But let's say to put your hat on the bima. Besides being uh, impolite, but also it's poshet, um, it's a violation of the of the kedusha. It's a it's a 
it's a chayfetz which is there for Kedusha, um, designated for the Sefer Torah. And so to use it for unconventional uses uh, would be considered a disgrace. It would, would be uh, inappropriate lalocha. Yeah. But, you know, then you could say in the shuls where banging on the bimmer is standard, so then das bezden masna. Happens to be that in this shul, which we're talking about, it used to be, you know, a laid back, um, you know, uh, conservative, uh, you know, uh, not conservative, conservative in, in religious. I mean, I mean, just, you know, Sudadika mentioned, and now you've got these young Hebrew coming bang on the bimmer. So the bim was originally built not not with the intention of people, you know, beating away on it. Okay. Um, so someone asked me, someone somewhere in mainland Europe, about giving a tip to a guy. Are you allowed to give a tip to a guy? Now, <clears throat> you might wonder where this comes from. So there is a postdoctorate, and Loisachonim can be and translate in various ways. One of them is Loisitein, Lohem, Loisachon, literally don't favor them. Um, thank you, Rev Mendel, is pointing out that we, if we are Chsidim, we look at the Rebbe. And the Rebbe says, don't look at him during davening. But if you did look at the Rebbe during davening, he was just following in the Siddha and not being distracted. Even I'm sure he had lots of things that he wanted to look at, uh, including sometimes the Rebbe would bring to davening, he would bring the Ha'oros uh, Mimim. So between the Aliyahs, the Rebbe would look at them. But during Ha'oros shots, be uh, almost always, it was just looking straight in the Siddha. Okay, coming back to where we hold it. So there is a loisichonim. One of the translations of loisichonim laloch is loisitein lahem chaniyah bekarka. You should not give a goy a, a, a camping ground, a dwelling ground, especially at Yisrael. Then there's one loisitein lahem matnaskinah. Not to give a goy a gift, which is for no, which is un, un, an unearned gift. So here you have a couple of sources in Shechon Aruch, one in Yeridea, and one in in Zora, and one in Choshen Mishpat. So we, here we have a guy who is not a ger toisho. You shouldn't be giving him matona unless he is an acquaintance of yours, or there's a cheshbon of darkish sholem. And we have here then Choshen Mishpat. You shouldn't give a matnas chinam to a over kechavim. Over kechavim is, as you can see here, it's a goy she'enu makhira. There's no you're just giving a gift, not getting anything in return. So that's a matnas chinam. Um, there is a Yiddish expression, you shouldn't remain a balchoy to a goy, you shouldn't remain indebted to a goy. A goy did your favor, you should give him something. He shouldn't be a, be a, a, a balchoy. Um, there's a story of a chosid, it's Moshe Shabbos, it's a story. So there's a chosid who would walk to Lubavitch. He lived in another town until he was a very old age. He always would walk even though he could afford to pay for a wagon driver. And his cheshbon was, he said, someone asked him, why did you, you know? So he says, listen, I'll come on Elam Emes, and I'll, you know, one of my good deeds is going to Lubavitch. So then, you come along, the horse will come along and say, hey, wait a minute. I also have a chelik in getting him to Lubavitch. So I should also be part of this. So it could be the Bezden Shalmailo will override his complaint and I will be in the right and he will be uh, you know dismissed his claim will be dismissed but I don't want to get into a I don't want to get into a court case with a horse 
So uh, similarly, uh, God did you a favor. You give him a matona, you give him something. You don't want to remain indebted to a God. But, but for if there's no, if you didn't get anything, so then there is a question of giving matnas uh, chinum. I saw somewhere about when you sit on the plane, you know, you're sitting on the plane and they come and, and you see that they've given you some tray for biscuits and you give it to the guy next to you. You give matnas chinum. Question, yeah. All right. So now here we have, um, there's a safer called Pischechoshin who's taken the whole of Cheshen Mishpat and kind of put it into a, a more, well, easier um, system, you know, searchable system. So he has here this halacha, and then he brings the source in Yeridea, and not giving a guy matnas chinom. Then he says, but if you, it's a, a, a guy whom you know, um, so then that's not called a matnas chinom. So by the way, um, this time of the year, to put out, to give the um, garbage collectors, to give them a, a bit of beer, that is um, after uh, after Chogge. Uh, uh, now, now it's the right time. But you can give them for New Year's. Um, you can give them some beer. Nira the Huadin, he says another interesting thing. You have a Goisha worker, and he's in the middle of work. And you give him a piece extra. So then, that's going to be an impetus. He should continue his work with greater... Greater vigor, so that's also a kind of darker shalom. So, um, so, uh, and then, what my response to this fellow actually was from Italy. I, it depends on what your what is the if it's acceptable, if it's sorry, if if it's the norm in that region that people do give a tip to a taxi driver, whatever it may be, then that's darker shalom. And the darker shalom is to give a tip because they, they shouldn't. It's not appropriate. Oh, the, the, the Jew never tips. Um, if that's the norm to give a tip, and then one should be um, following the norm. Well, we almost uh, finished our list. So we have number nine. There was a question about so uh, the half hour. Now we know that we've got what's called Mincha Gdoilo, Mincha Ketano. Mincha Gdoilo is, starts from a half an hour after midday. And Mincha Ketano is from, is, is three hours later, two and a half hours before sunset. So the half hour, now we have a concept called choice manios, and they translate it into English proportional hours, which means it's a twelfth of the day, of a stretch of the day, and in a long summer's day. So a twelfth of the, that might be one an hour, an hour and a half, 90 minutes. And in a short winter's day, it will be uh, a twelfth of the day will be 40 minutes, etc. So now we look at this half hour after midday, which is the earliest you can daven mincha? Do you work according to shoyes um, zmanios? So therefore, now it be let's say be twenty minutes, or does it go according to shoyes kavois? Now the Mishnebrura in Sharetzin, you can see Simurish Lamad Gimel. He takes the view origin at, at outset that it makes sense that the half hour is also called proportional hours because it's in the same breath as the nine and a half hours, six and a half hours, and those are for sure working in short money as the proportional hours, and therefore the half hour should also be the same. Then he backtracks a little bit. He says, since the reason for the half hour is to avoid a mistake of doing, of, of, of doing it before midday, therefore it should be, possibly it should be a, a half hour, a full half hour of 30 minutes. 
So his primary view is it goes on Kuntoshoismanios, whether he's a little bit uncomfortable, he's not so confident. What do we have here from the Tsosashulchan from Chaim Noe? So he says, um, now the Reb Chaim Noe is later than Mishnah Berurah, and he often quotes him, and he seems to, although he doesn't give a clear reference, but he takes the view that it's Shosmanis, which means in winter it makes it shorter. But on the other hand, the flip side of that is in summer that you'd have to wait until um, the Shor, the Hatsi Shosmanis, which could be, as I say, it could be 40 minutes, depending on what, what time of the year it is, etc., where you are. Okay, let's finish off. And that is um, about to feedback on two points. Number one, about Sudo Soidor. So one of our listeners mentioned to me that when it was Tof Shein Lamed Ches, after the Rebbe had the heart attack in gedacht, then it came Hanukkah and the Rebbe made a whole um, a whole uh, way of, he made, he arranged to Rabbi Hechdor Shalom, he made a sort of Seidor and it was within the Tils it wasn't with Fleishiks um, never saw by the Rebbe uh, as in, by the Fabrengas, the Fabrengas with Fleishiks never Never happened, as far as I know. Um, Lubavitch, you know, that's, that's not what makes it into a Suda. Fabrengen, the Devra, etc. That's what makes it. So I'll call upon it, but the Rebbe did make a point of it being with the Tils That's one feedback. The other one is, we had last week a discussion about an Oren Kodesh. Um, <clears throat> my question, which I dealt with last week, if he has a curtain and he doesn't have doors, is that, a, is that a, acceptable? My my inclination was it wasn't adequate because it, you need to have a chest and a chest without doors and all the chest, you know, orange. But then one of our listeners sent told me the following, that there was a time in the shul, he was a gabe in a shul, and for some reason the paroches got damaged or something. It was needed to go through repairs and it was taken off and... The Aaron Kodesh was just left, just the doors without without the curtain. During this time, there, there was a burglary in their shul, and the thieves forced open the doors of the Aaron Kodesh. I don't remember whether anything was taken or not, but it was the only time in many, many, many years that there had ever been a break-in to the shul, and he felt that it's a little bit the fact that the Aaron Kodesh had been left without a parochas, not in, in the appropriate way. Um, so then that may have been inviting the uh, this the distress which happened there. Now, since we saw on the video tonight how the Rebbe always talked about finishing on a positive note, therefore we have to finish on a positive note. And what was actually said tonight, I don't know, some of you may have seen the video, but when the Rebbe's Haggadah was published in Tovshin Lamed Gimel, and that was the first time they kind of rearranged the Haggadah. The main main Haggadah was rearranged. Um, and then the, the back had a collection of Sikhs. And the the the, uh, the so the last Sikha they gave into the Rebbe, they gave him the, the finished volume. And the Rebbe looks at the last Sikha was talking about the end of Morab Sochim, where he talks about Shekhyonu. Shekhyonu by Pidyon Aben. And then why don't we say Shekhyonu by a bris? Ashkenazim, as far as we do. Ashkenazim, we don't. So Toysavit says, because of the pain of the child. 
So that was Rajgurkhapratis. <laughs> it came, that was the last and the last line was about the pain of the child. And the Rebbe was not happy with the fact that it finished off on a negative note. And so the Rebbe instructed the Rebbe instructed that they should make a rubber stamp. And the rubber stamp should would be the words And so all this volume, the thousand volumes which ever had been had been already uh, printed, so they were duly rubber stamped with another another line of Shoshana Bob and Rabbi Levi Garelik, um, uh, same age as me. So he he's, he tells how he and his family were given by the Rebbe, given volumes of the uh, the new Haggadah, and then the Rebbe buzzed to the office. Oh, he had given them these Haggadahs which hadn't been stamped yet. So they, they, they so the family Garelik. Um, made their way up to the Vad Hanochas Vad to get their Sforim also stamped with Lashon Habab Yishalayim. So as we should have Lashon Habab Yishalayim, and Lashon Habab means that by next year we should all be in Shalayim with Moshiach Tzidkenu and with the Geula Hamitas Vashleim. Agutovach. Amen. Shkara. Good work. Good work. Good work.